Yo, good evening. Welcome to another Trigger Proof Transmission. Good evening, good morning. Give me a hashtag replay if you are watching on replay or on YouTube replay. It's great to be here. Now, as our community is getting bigger, uh, I see some very interesting questions popping up. Some new peeps here. Welcome if you're brand new to this channel. If you're uh, to, to this Facebook group, my name is Dr. Nima Romani. Uh, if you're new to my content, I'm a chiropractor who's left the confines of the office because he's discovered something pretty um, uh, life-changing in revelations of nervous system interference, nervous system healing, uh, that we live our lives through our nervous systems and attachment traumas from unresolved grief, unresolved shame, unresolved resentment, unresolved attachment traumas are carried with us throughout our lives and without the appropriate tools and strategies to bring the nervous system to a level of safety, internal safety, then illnesses start to wreak havoc in our bodies. Um, anxiety takes over and we're not able to really have this sense of uh, alarm leave us. This kind of like constant hypervigilance, it stays within our bodies. And then unknowingly, without any fault of your own, it starts to pour into our relationships. And that's where the manifestations of our attachment wounds start to show through conflict, through um, repetitive patterns, uh, through codependency, through bonding, through trauma, we start to repeat what's familiar in our childhood because when you were younger, these childhood patterns, these childhood patterns were formed when you were younger. The, the, the neurological basis of your entire life was formed even when you were in utero, even when you were developing as an embryo, the state, the nervous system state of your mother, the relationship and safety that your mother felt in her relationship with her father, that unconsciously downloaded into your internal experience because your nervous system was very much intertwined with your mother's. Then when you're born, your kind of attachment uh, and bonding is you know, the way that you were attached with mom and dad, whether dad was around, whether uh, dad was dangerous or mom was dangerous or they had addictions or their relationship fell apart and you had to take care of them emotionally. Regardless of what happened, these experiences as a child unconsciously form the foundations of your nervous system, of what you feel is familiar, what you understand love to be. So unconsciously, this nervous system pattern starts to repeat itself. Freud called it the repetition compulsion. We compulsively try to repeat what was familiar. So if you ever remember promising yourself, I never want to end up like my mom because of that resentment and that resentment towards mom is unresolved, it will burn a hole through your soul, cause you to feel detached and dissociated from yourself, cause you to be easily triggered with this unresolved wound, 
cause you to repeat certain patterns and unbeknownst to you wake up one day and go, holy shit, I promised myself I would never be like my mom and dad. And here I am doing the exact same thing. How is this possible? Why do I keep repeating these patterns? Why is it that I show up in relationships with the same person again and again and again? Why is it that I never feel safe in any relationship? And you go from one kind of victim state to another, getting hurt by another person. And then finally you think maybe I should just be by myself or you've now had the same pattern that you saw with your parents, you're living it now. And it's like, holy shit. So this work is really for people who um, want to heal. I got sick and tired of being in my chiropractic office working with people at the end range of their attachment traumas and their wounds. At some point, I, I, I realized that I don't want to work with people who don't want to take responsibility to heal what was theirs. Yes, I get you had a really rough past. Yes, I get you had real deep challenges um, in your relationships that probably weren't fair, shouldn't have happened, okay? And um, was very hurtful to you. And I'm sorry that you've gone through that. Unfortunately, if you stay with the support group type of um, teachers and trainers, it feels good. I mean, it's great, especially after a really deep wound or a really deep trauma to have somebody kind of validate you like you would in a support group. That's fantastic. But the problem is when you stay at that level of conversation, which is uh, in that wound, not speaking from the scar, but speaking from a wound and repeating your woe is me story to anyone who's going to hear you to validate you because you didn't really get that validation from mom and dad. And you start using doctors and therapists and coaches as your sounding board, kind of like, let me tell you whatever, but then you're not learning any skills. You're not learning any tools. You're not actually going into taking any responsibility. I'm not saying blame. I'm saying responsibility for your part of it. And it wasn't your fault. Please understand, I got to really start this disclaimer. None of this is your fault. Um, but at some point, I want you to shift the word fault to capability. Capability of healing. Why? Well, if you don't, these unresolved traumas and these hurts that we feel that we don't want to talk about or think about or feel ashamed about, they walk with us. They, time doesn't heal them. Time only conceals them. And it starts to wear at the fabric of your cells. Your nervous system starts to fall apart. You start developing chronic illnesses, digestive issue, uh, sleep, digestion, sleep, and um, kind of general anxiety. Uh, hormonal. These are, you know, they're not diseases and disorders that you have to, oh, it's my hormones that are at fault. No, no, no. I want you to really understand your hormones are not to blame. It's not your crazy ass hormones. It is your nervous system under distress. And so when I discovered this as a chiropractor, this was about 10 years ago, I started creating these workshops in my office called Life Skills for a Stressful World because I knew that if my patients truly wanted to heal, they're going to come and learn the tools of self-mastery so that they can then um, 
become their own medicine rather than look for heroes outside of them. And slowly, if I can fast forward this story, uh, I went from teaching in these workshops at my clinic to now I run a global community of self-healers. Self-healing doesn't mean you have to do it alone. In fact, self-healing means I, I'm responsible to do the practices myself. Of course, you've read holistic psychologists material, uh, how to do the work, breath work, we do it. Journaling, we do it. Um, meditation, we do it. Inner child work, we do it all. It's just that it's a lot more difficult than you think. And oftentimes, if you don't do it in a community, you're not really getting the full picture of healing. Because in order for you to really heal, we also need community. We heal in community. We heal when we have other people at different levels in their nervous system able to help pull you up to what we call a ventral state. I act as your ventral tether, the tether to bring you from your dorsal shutdown state. Perhaps your nervous system is in a freeze or it's in a fight or flight. You have fight or flight, sympathetic, or freeze, which is dorsal. This is in the polyvagal system. So the goal is to teach you the skills to become in to move yourself up into ventral. And so oftentimes these dysregulations in our nervous systems, they show up as challenges in our relationships. They show up as disconnections. Uh, and so I asked the question, I said, I'm about to go live. How can I help you? What questions, what burning questions are going up, going on in your lives? And I'd love to answer you. So I have some answers here. And because these problems are so universal to all of us. I think even if you didn't ask this question, you're probably going to get something valuable out of these answers. So I'm just going to answer off the top of my head uh, these questions. Jen Rudolph asks, how do I navigate the anxiety of the unknown? Oh, isn't that the question? How do I navigate the anxiety of the unknown? Well, the unknown is really all we have, don't we? I hit, the, I hit the button that says go live before a transmission. I don't even know what I'm gonna say, <laughs> to be honest with you. I glanced over these questions, but I don't really know what I'm going to say. Um, I don't know how you're gonna receive this. I don't know if you're gonna get triggered. I don't know if you're gonna be troll like I've been getting recently and start hating comments on social media. I get those quite a bit actually. There's a period of time I would wake up to at least one or two of those messages every morning. Those are fun. <laughs> so how do I navigate the anxiety of the unknown? The way that I do it is I stop pretending like, um, like I'm in control because I'm not. Um, becoming trigger proof is an art. It's one of the things that I teach and it became very evident in my life that I had to learn how to master my own nervous system, how to regulate my entire nervous system, which was constantly anxious all the time. This concept that I should know what comes next. I should know how this Facebook Live is going to go. I should know how the next six months are going to be. I should know when this coronavirus is going to end. I should know if this relationship is going to work or not. How do you navigate the anxiety of the unknown is to cultivate self-trust. Cultivating self-trust starts with 
reconnecting you with the younger parts of yourself that you abandoned a long time ago. That when you abandoned them in service of approval of other people, what happened was you're looking around others for approval. Love me, please love me, please validate me. And when we do that, uh, I don't know if you can see this or not. Um, when we do that, when we get to that place where, uh, you know, I don't trust myself. I've abandoned myself. Tell me what's what's next. What should I, am I okay? Please love me. I've disconnected from self-trust. It's the exact opposite of self-confidence. What we do when we become trigger-proof and we learn how to master our nervous system and we connect with those younger, uncertain parts of ourselves, what happens is this uncertainty as a child, when you had a shit show going on at home and you didn't know what was happening, there's an eight-year-old version of you who's terrified of what happens next. Well, good thing you know what happened to them. You know how they got through it. You know exactly the steps that they went through. You know all the pain that they suffered and you know that they got through. What if you were able to connect with yourself after practicing how to expand the capacity of your nervous system to within a five to 10 minute period to drop into your body and to reparent those younger parts of you that were uncertain? And the message that you give that younger part of you that's uncertain, that's coming up in the uncertainty in today, nothing you're going through right now is about right now. It's about a past event. A trigger that you're having right now is about a past event that's still unresolved. What if you were able to go back and to connect with that younger part of you and then give them the, the, the wisdom that they needed externally, you're able to give them, guess what? All of a sudden, you start learning how to connect with yourself, how to self-soothe, how to emotionally regulate so that you can show up in the moment on the unknown. Here we are right now, as I'm recording this live, completely I'm in the unknown. I have full self-trust because I am in my body. I'm embodied. I'm certain of who I am. I'm certain of the context of who I am and the pain that I've gone through and my superpowers, I'm certain of what I'd love to create, even though I don't have like control, I've worked my life and my awareness in such a way that even though I don't have control, I do have a say over how I have my experiences. I do have a say. Power is the ability to influence um, behavior and events, not control, but impact and influence. And because I have self-trust, I know that I don't have control over things, but I do have impact over, you know, the direction of the flow. So when you learn how to con continuously connect with those younger parts of you and become trigger-proof, you now meet the unknown, the, the, the unknown present time you're able to surf. You actually love the unknown. My goal is to teach you how to become the master of the unknown. I am a master of the unknown. I don't have to know because I, what I do know is that I trust myself in this moment. I trust myself to have response ability, an ability to respond rather than react. In other words, when you become trigger proof, you can meet the unknown with certainty. And this is exactly what we teach in our in uh, the overview experience and our breath work and in our in our programs. 
<clears throat> Next question. How can I reconnect with my partner? He was an alcoholic for years and got ugly for a few years. He's now sober and working on himself and I'm working on myself, but there's a disconnect from years of not a lot of fun. Okay, so what it sounds like, Wendy, is that you got, he was, he went through a rough patch with addiction um, and he's sober, he's working on himself, maybe did his 12 step program, making amends, doing all that, but you're still a disconnect you're still disconnected because you're still wounded over stuff that happened in the past. In other words, what you're saying, Wendy, is that there's an unresolved past that you haven't really fully healed from. So how can I reconnect with my partner? Well, during that period where he was abusive or there was alcoholic or whatever he was, he was likely bringing up a childhood experience with you, Wendy, that wasn't pleasant. So it wasn't probably the first time you were treated that way. I'm guessing just from my senses is that this was a childhood thing. How do you reconnect with your partner is you don't worry about your partner. Pretend like your partner doesn't exist. Your work, Wendy, is to reconnect with the parts of you during those alcoholic years where he wasn't so nice to you and the past, the childhood past that that period was connected with. Those two parts of you are disconnected from you. And unless you reconnect and heal those parts of you by present aware, loving awareness, through meditation, through becoming trigger-proof, through rescuing those younger parts of you, what happens is that will remain like a resentment, unresolved emotions stuck in your body. It's almost like there's going to be like this shield like a window that separates the two of you and you can't bullshit your way out of it you can't pretend like it didn't happen it sounds like you're still wounded over it and i'm not saying you're wrong to be none of it was your fault i'm just saying if you want to reconnect with your partner the answer you're looking for probably was for me to say well tell them this 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 and this but that's not how we do it in this program. That's not how we do it in this community. In this community, we don't go look outside first. We look inside first because that's where we have power. And your work, Wendy, is to regain power where you gave it away, where you played the victim. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm just saying those things happened years ago, right? But you're still living as though in your body that's happening still today. And you can't talk your way out of it. You can't just do talk therapy because it's in your body. You can't bullshit your way out of it. You can't talk your way out of a feeling problem. So this would be 100% something you would want to go inside and heal those parts of yourself. So this upcoming week, we have breathwork and badassery on Saturday. That's where you begin. Also, on Wednesday night or Thursday morning in uh, Bali and Australia, I'm doing my relationship workshop. I'm going to leave a link at the bottom. Just it's every third Wednesday of the month in North America, third Thursday of the month in um, uh, Bali. Uh, so it's next Wednesday. Uh, it's actually no, this upcoming Wednesday, because the first was on a Thursday, it's got screwy. But this Wednesday coming up, we have our rela relationship called recreating relationships. It sounds like you need to recreate this relationship. It still hasn't gotten complete from what happened years ago. Hopefully that helps. Uh, Majida asks, transference partner father slash father. Wasn't a real question, 
you just said, what do you want to know? She said, transference, father, partner. There wasn't a real specific question about it. So one of the things I'm going to help you do, if you want to get the most out of life, is to start learning how to ask better, out, better questions. Start asking, okay, so when you say transference, partner, father, I can't work with that. I can't help you. But if you say, it seems like I'm having a transference, my partner, it's like I'm, I'm marrying, my, married or partnered with my father. How can I break this cycle? Now, that is a real question. You know what I mean? But transference, partner, father, I don't know what outcome you want. Do you want to heal from this? What do you want? Like, because what you ask helps determine the outcome. Like, it's huge. This is big. How do I break that cycle? And the answer is through the process of shadow work, inner child work, nervous system regulation, uh, clearing your past resentments, empathic communication, learning how to dance with your dark passenger, the little voice that came up through all of those past rela uh, relationship stuff with your dad, had you believing certain things about yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy of love. Um, um, I'm not important. So if that is in your body ever since you're a child, well, guess what you're going to be a, a drawn to with a partner? Oh, there it is again, that, so, that total familiar feeling of I'm not lovable, I'm not important, I'm uh, always having to chase after love, he's not emotionally available. Wow, that is so familiar. I'm going to marry this fucker. Because <laughs> it's just, that's what love is to me, right? And by the way, I, I, disclaimer, this is some tough love. This is not kind of like a support group type of thing. This is for people who are actually that who are serious about healing. They're not just wanting to, you know, tell their poor me story. There's tons of tons of those on Facebook. Please go have at it. This place is a place of healing. Those places are not concerned so much with healing. Uh, it's just about I want to tell my story and then have people validate me, you know, tell my story, story, story. Let me give you backstory, backstory, backstory. No real question. I just really want to be seen and heard. I see you ask questions that are designed to get you to outcomes. That's why you can do 20 years of therapy. because You never really talk about an outcome. <laughs> Whereas if you invest in programs that are outcome focused. Um, this is for people who are serious about getting outcomes, not just wanting to stay with a support worker for, for 20 years saying, poor me, you know, like this, this is a different conversation. So um, the way that you do that is all of those things combined, actually healing the parts of you that were entangled and enmeshed with dad, right? When you heal that, all of a sudden you've divorced dad. All of a sudden, this partner, two things will happen. Either they will step up and heal with you and meet you there because of who you've become is so inspiring to them, option one, or option number two, guess what that'll be? They will, this reminds me of Helen, who we've, I've been working with her for the last three months. And within eight weeks, she was in a three-year relationship limbo. Should I stay? Should I go? Just with the work we did and the conversation level that she started to have with this guy, all of a sudden, one day she shows up. She was like, I think I got to get rid of him. 
next day after our call, she goes and sees that his truck or soon after a moving truck showed up and he's moving out. It's like, wow, he just, it just naturally happened. And it wasn't fireworks. There wasn't great drama. It was just, okay, you're leaving. All right. That was one of the outcomes she wanted when we worked together. She goes, I don't know. I don't want to make the wrong decision. I want to make sure that I'm sure about it. Just with us doing the work, literally he left. Who she became realized just wasn't congruent for that energy. So he left, right? And she was elated. She was rejoiced. She didn't have to do it because it just happened. Um, and this, there's so many stories of this. Whenever you're in limbo, you don't know, should I stay? Should I go? What you do is you heal your attachment wounds with what it was really about, which is the transference from, from dad. You divorce dad first, because if you don't divorce dad first, you divorce this person. If you don't divorce dad, then what's going to happen in your next relationship? Take a wild guess. I don't know. It'll be the exact same pattern, same guy, different haircut. So um, perfect. Elspeth says, my question is, what do you do when it's happening from the other person to you? I think that it happens to me a lot. I imagine that falls under the category. Yes. So what happens when your partner has transferred? Um, uh, Elspeth, we're working together now. So that's a great question. And uh, I'll be, we'll be able to answer that on, on the group call later. Um, but it sounds like your partner is now with his mother. <laughs> that's very common too. That's totally part of the game. Your work is to resource yourself. Same thing when he, you're triggering your partner, you can be there, but you're going to have to learn how to emotionally regulate because there's a lot of guilt that's going to come up. There's a lot of fear that's going to come up. You got to know how to be able to move through those emotions and sit through those emotions. Otherwise, you're reacting and responding, uh, re reacting and not responding. Um, so, yeah, 100% your work is to take care of whatever emotions are coming up for you not to take responsibility and, and you know in other words you can have empathy that this is coming up like like when i get into an argument with my wife and then i have to get out and kind of leave and take a walk that brings up her abandonment wounds i'm fully aware that it does and it's my responsibility to let her know that i'll be back and all that stuff but it's just part of the dance. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to, this is part of the dance of a relationship that you're designed to come together so that you can bring up each other's attachment wounds. Jan Ann asks, how do, how to control my emotions when triggered rather than just losing control? Well, isn't that the million dollar question? How do you do that? Well, you got to really integrate your shadow. You got to heal with the many parts of your inner child that show up Whenever you get triggered, you got to learn how to get into your body and get out of your mind. You got to learn how to clear those past resentments because you're literally carrying them around with you like rocks in your backpack. All of those things are really difficult to do. And it's tough to see them because you can't see them. Because when you're triggered, three quarters of your brain isn't working. So you don't have the skills to think, okay, so what should I do? So this becomes a practice over time. It takes about three to six months to really get good at it. At first, it's like any type of jujitsu martial art. You're unconsciously incompetent at it. 
then after you've practiced within about one to two months of our programs, our clients start to get consciously incompetent. They're like, they won't go from, I don't know what I don't know to holy shit, this is hard. I just got into a conflict with my partner. It was exactly like, like my mother and I could see it. And now, whoa, I lost my shit, but I was able to bounce back a little bit quicker. After about four weeks, you're like, wow, I still lost my shit, but I was able to bounce back. After about three months, you're like, holy crap, I could see myself wanting to go there, but I was quickly able to resource to fully validate myself. And then I was able to diffuse a bomb. This was not possible. Or clients of ours say, stop screaming at my kids. I just lose my shit on my kids all the time. And now I'm so much calmer. So this is a practice. Jen Ann, if you're actually serious about learning, you'll join us at Breathwork, at the Overview Experience. You'll apply to work with us. People say that they want to learn that, but they think that you can just read a book and do it. It doesn't work with a book or a podcast. You have to actually immerse yourself. This Facebook Live or this YouTube video you're watching, I'm sure it's going to be helpful. You know, you watch some of my content. I get your DMs a lot. You say, thank you. You've changed my life and all this stuff. But I'm like, mm, no, you know what? If you haven't shown up and done the work and actually in do the work with us, this is not the work so much. It's good because the conversation is kind of like medicine a little bit because you start to feel, wow, this is all making sense. That's perfect. You have to have some context. I give you context. But the actual work cannot be faked. You actually have to show up at breath work. You got to show up at the workshops and do the work. And the work is I lead you into a specialized form of meditation that, that exercises it building capacity in your nervous system to be able to regulate yourself through really uncomfortable emotions. The truth of the matter is you're not going to do the work unless you have somebody guiding you through it. I can tell you to do it, but you won't. You know why? Because it's really uncomfortable. And the people who invest to work with us still don't want to do it. So I know that the, the chances of you actually showing up and doing what I tell you are slim to none. Unless you register and show up and invest. This is how you know you're serious about something. People say, I want to learn how to control. I'm ready to do the healing, but I'm not ready to invest. No, then and you're not actually serious. Serious people invest resources, invest time. They're going to think that they don't, they're, not, they're not worthy. Oh, I'm so busy. Oh my gosh, I'm so busy rescuing so many people. I just have no time for myself because I'm so busy rescuing all these people and I'm anxious. I have chronic fatigue. Uh, I'm anxious all the time. My relationships aren't working. People, uh, like I feel abandoned all the time, but I'm a rescue worker and I support all these people and I just really want to help others. I want to help all these people. And the thing is, oftentimes these people don't actually want help. Same way that you actually don't want help. <laughs> you just want to be heard. How do you know you want real help? You actually invest and show up. Otherwise, you're just talking about it. Sorry, not sorry. This is the amount of DMs that I've been getting these days. Sorry, this has got about 5,300 at this date, uh, April 11th. And the date today 
about 5,300 in the Trigger Proof Facebook group. I get about five to seven DMs a day of people with these long backstories complaining. And I'm, and I got to sift through because I know that 90% of them actually don't want to do the work. They say they want to help others. They say that, they, please help. How do I fix this? Well, in other words, how do I fix this without having to change anything about myself, without having to feel any fear, without having to get uncomfortable? It's not going to work. That's not how change works. You have to actually say, you know what? I'm done bullshitting myself. I'm done blaming other people. I'm, I, I need to step up and take responsibility. Why? Well, because my children's lives are at stake. I do not want them to grow up with the same patterns. And truth be told, my parents, they wouldn't do the work. There's no way they can. I'm going to do it for them. I'm going to be the one to break the cycle. That's what this work is about. Tanya, perfect, perfect opportunity to segue for this. When you choose to support, this, this wasn't even a question. When you choose to support your partner through recovery, but your support system dumps you because they're tired of it. All right. When you choose to support your partner through recovery, okay? So usually when you say support your partner through recovery, that's usually rescue, okay? They call it, this is classic codependency. So they used to call codependency co-alcoholic. In other words, there's an alcoholic and then there's the codependent that enables the alcoholic. Unconsciously, the enabler doesn't know that they're only, they're rescuing the other person as a means to avoid looking at themselves. They think that they're doing it to support and rescue. Deep down is like, maybe they're gonna rescue me, but that's not how it actually ends up because never does that alcoholic or whatever, you've now set up the foundation for a lack of fair exchange. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get reciprocated. You want to know why? Because you chances are you abandoned yourself in order to rescue somebody else. So guess what? They're going to treat you exactly the way you're treating you. End of discussion. How do you resolve this? How do I create a secure relationship? By stop by doing the most impossible thing to a rescuer. Are you ready? By not fucking rescuing anyone and telling the truth that you actually get a kick out of rescuing others that it's a way that you can avoid your own facing your own demons and your own shadows truth be told nobody wants to face their shadows it's like losing weight how can i help all these people lose weight i'm 800 pounds myself but i need to rescue all these other people so that they can lose weight it's and it's like uh no why don't you just lose your own weight why don't you just why don't you just get fit and then inspire people? Because you're not going to rescue people who don't want to lose weight. The person who loses weight has to do one thing. They go, I'm fucking tired of being fat. I'm fucking tired of being overweight. I, I don't like the way I look. I'm tired all the time. Enough. I'm going to do this. That's the only way somebody's going to lose weight. And that's the only way someone's going to truly recover. They have to rescue themselves. So if you want to be, you want to help others, the best way is to lead by example and rescue yourself. Biggest obstacle is 
you're going to come up with all sorts of excuses not to do it. Sorry. Also, um, this isn't personal to you, but I, I do shadow work. We do shadow work with our clients, which means exposing your unconscious motives, which you're really good at self-deception. You're really good at lying to yourself. We, we are really good at lying to ourselves. So we convince ourselves so much. And then some asshole like me comes on and says, eh, bullshit, tell the truth, because I want your healing because all of your other support workers will listen to your story, but they're not trained to expose your unconscious motives behind it. And until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you'll call it fate. That's what Carl Jung said. And so what we do You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast, designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds anytime there's reactivity there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Is, here's what you do, Tanya. You find a guide that won't stand for your BS. I know that's tough. Support workers, we have, we have a lot of support workers who are needing support. <laughs> but the problem is, is that your ego will not want to deal with those. It's like you're too busy trying to make others lose weight. Well, and I'm just using weight loss as an ex example. I don't know you. I don't know how much you weigh. And it's not a, it's not a uh, fat shaming type of thing at all. But this work is, is akin to weight loss. You can't force somebody else to lose weight. You can't rescue somebody. The best way to help them, become fit as a fiddle. So they look at you and go, how do I do what you do? And you're like, are you sure? Because it's not easy. I don't think you're ready. You got to be ready. You got to just be like, because nobody's going to rescue you. You're going to rescue you. That's how you do it. Become the example. All right. Jesse says, something I struggle with is what to do when my partner is triggered great question. I found that when I give him space and focus on my own self for a while, he'll come, he'll come find me and open up. Okay. But it's hard in the moment as my natural urge is to connect and listen and give hugs. And none of those things work for him at all in the moment. You want to know why they don't work for him in that moment? Because he can sense that you're not, you're, you're not doing it for him. You're doing it for you. You're inauthentic with your motives. In other words, it's a blind spot. You think you're doing it for him. Uh-uh. You can tell it's for you. You're looking, you're seeking validation, pretending for it to be about him. How do I know? You can totally tell. It's hard to stay beside him and see him in distress. 
um, that's only because you're making his distress mean something about you, FYI. And I want to show my support. And I'm, by the way, I'm giving you the shadow piece behind what you're not saying, because I've been trained to see what's, what's, what's in between. It's hard to stay beside him and see him in distress. That's what you say. Unders, un, underscore is your shadow is the truth is because when he's in distress, I make it mean that I'm unlovable and I'm a bad girlfriend, partner, whatever. And I want to show my support, but at the same time, wanting to remove myself from that energy and give him space to work through his emotions. Okay. Yes, absolutely. His past is pretty dark. Same with a lot of people. And there are places I don't feel I have the expertise to join him in. True. Despite being here to listen whenever I can, what are some things you'd recommend me to do in that moment? Step one, get him to start watching your videos. Yeah, bad chance. If he doesn't seek these videos out, he's not going to be down with it. Um, it. It's interesting. I know I'm not for everybody. Uh, the people who would resonate most with my videos are people who are genuinely, genuinely seeking a solution. Not to be validated, not to be, you know, not to be right, but actually humble enough to go, you know what? I'm tired of playing the victim. I really want to gain power here. I'm tired of giving away my power. I, I'm tired of feeling powerless in this relationship dynamic. And I'm and I want instead of whining and complaining and pissing and moaning, I'm ready to take back my power. Okay. So the first step is to realize, this is what I just said, Jesse. Thank you for your question. I'm I'm giving you tough love here. It's purely out of love. I feel like this is my community. I'm like that, I'm like that older brother you want to have on your side. That's basically who'll kick your ass in a good way, you know? Um, so you might not, you might have trauma with your big brother. So I might bring some of that shit up for you. But truthfully, I'm saying it so that you can have an outcome, a result, which is a healthy relationship. So your first step is to realize that you have been trying to seek his validation rather than trying to help, you know, because if somebody's not asking you for help and they're not actually paying you for it, don't fucking rescue them. This is a really great, um, this is a really great, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Rule of thumb. It's a really great rule of thumb because people people uh, invest and work with to work with me, and they still resist uh, coaching, even though they've invested in it. There's still resistance because people don't like facing their shadows. Your work, Jesse, is to master learning what this is. What am I making this mean? You get asking. Becoming trigger-proof learn is about learning how to master some very good breathing techniques, embodiment techniques, and then really great inquiry questions. What am I really making his silence or his struggle mean about me right now? And, oh, that I'm bad, that I'm a failure. Ah, just like when. You'll start to see that this is there's like a eight-year-old girl inside of you that couldn't make her dad happy. Dad was depressed. Dad was always kind of in a mood or something. And Jess really needed to uplift him to feel good about herself. And oh, here she is in a relationship with that same pattern. What do I do to support him? 
you actually rescue the eight-year-old little girl who this is all bringing up. And when you do that, your presence shifts. You go from wounded feminine, trying to seek approval, inauthentically helping to divine feminine who becomes a magnet whose presence has the power to transform. Because when you do the work right, Jess, you don't actually have to do anything. Who you become shifts the dynamic between you and magical shit starts to happen. It's pretty powerful when you're able to notice and separate yourself from that and really be able to go into your body and self-soothe and emotionally regulate what it, this is really about because it's not about your partner. Hopefully that was helpful for you. Um, okay, Kinetic Kids asked a, a, a long, kind of like a little bit of a backstory. All right, would you be willing to answer this for me? How do I stop feeling guilty and stuck about a relationship that I finally got the guts to end with a former longtime partner because they were still in my life? I was helping through his recovery. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm just saying it always starts with this. I was helping him through his recovery. In other words, I was rescuing a wounded bird. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to help people through recovery. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if you as the rescuer end up becoming the victim who then ends up becoming the perpetrator because you couldn't rescue them. So in the overview experience, I literally go through what I just went through. It's called the drama triangle that happens in codependent relationships without understanding the mechanism of that drama triangle and learning how to unpack it and heal that like in your body then you're constantly going into this cycle. There was still in my life, da, 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 da. I met an amazing man during that time after work. I helped my ex move to the city where I was living. Then more helping. It's amazing kinetic kids, how, how, how you just are like a magnet for, for rescuing wounded birds. And I see that in you because that was me myself. I kind of, um, I'm kind of laughing, uh, laughing at it. Um, the former new guy, uh, the former new guy lost interest no matter how many times I explained that there was nothing between us. Okay, so the new guy has jealousy issues. Okay, and so he feels not good enough because you're still in connection with your ex. Got it. Now the ex has been restoring himself while incarcerated. Okay, so he's turned it over a new leaf and is now engaged. The guy I fell in love with is long gone. I'm trying to forgive myself and not see myself as experiencing a loss because he's getting married now, I'm still single. I have felt guilty because I allowed who I perceive as the wrong person to stick around too long in the name of helping. And it cost me potential bliss of someone who naturally, naturally vibe. I have been very angry for placing other needs and wants before my own and the angriest. Yeah. So essentially, how do you stop feeling guilty is there are parts of you that you've abandoned, kinetic kids. Um, you're a rescuer, you're a helper. These two guys that you didn't really end up with, one because he was jealous and the other one because uh, I guess he's married now, he's in car, he was incarcerated and he's now found somebody. So now you feel rejected and alone. And what do you do? How do you stop feeling guilty? There's a younger part of you that this is really all about, Kinetic Kids. This is not about these two men. This is about a little girl who felt like she was only worthy when she was helping people who she's not good enough unless she's rescuing someone and identified her 
uh, value only when she was rescuing other people. Um, your work is to heal, reconnect, and reparent those younger parts of you and resource yourself and master becoming trigger-proof, these contexts and frameworks within conversations and relationships so that you're not showing up consistently triggered into the same unconscious behavior. Wow, this is a pattern that didn't start like five years ago or even 10 years ago. It sounds like this is a pattern that was deep back when you were a kid. I don't know how old you are, I'm not saying you're old. Um, placing other people's needs above your own starts from enmeshment trauma. You got to learn about enmeshment trauma this is what we teach in all of our programs. All of these questions are res uh, responded, like literally answered within the programs that we teach. It all starts with enmeshment, is that you have now, because to belong, you have enmeshed your emotions, your values, your priorities, your needs, with somebody else's. So you've lost who you are. Your work is to go back and to heal where you lost yourself. Part of that will be learning how to feel that guilt and that shame and that resentment uh, and giving yourself permission in a container of people who are working alongside with you to be able to express and resolve those emotions that are stuck deep in your body. Giving you so much love for that, that was a, um, very, very, uh, my, my heart goes out to you. I can see how much pain you're in. And there is help on the other side if you're really willing to do the work. Uh, da, 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 da. And somebody says, oh, just try forgiving yourself. Yeah, I just love it when you see these memes and comments on Facebook. Just forgive yourself. Just forgive yourself. Just love and forgive yourself. Oh, why didn't anyone tell me? Okay, sure. But how do you do that? There's a step-by-step -step and there's going to be a lot of resistance to you forgiving and loving yourself. When you finish the actual work and you learn how to become trigger-proof, you realize that the highest form of forgiveness is the authentic recognition that everything served you and there is nothing to forgive. Let me say that again. The highest form of forgiveness is the authentic recognition that everything served you and there is nothing to forgive. But there's very few therapies that get you to that point. Many people stop at, oh, okay, I've forgiven him. That's bullshit. You haven't forgiven. True forgiveness is when you actually have loving awareness that you realize there's no one to blame. That person's behavior was unconscious. My behavior was unconscious. I don't have to forgive myself. I got to love, have loving awareness of my unconscious behavior because I was acting out of a wound. That's next level shit. That's what sets you free. When you get this right, you, you're set free. You can look in a mirror and say, I don't have to forgive myself. I love myself as I am and as I was. Boom, booyaka, mic drop. That's what I want for you. That's true freedom. Very few places really focus on getting you there. They keep you stuck in this victim state. Uh, interested in your perception of chronic illness. Ah, I did a training. Uh, make sure you check it up in my YouTube videos. Uh, chronic illness and pain, what they don't tell you. <laughs> it's pretty... Triggering. <laughs> wow, did I ever learn this? Why I left chiropractic is like, wow, there's something happening with chronic illness and pain, and you can get to it if you're willing to let go of your pleasing identity. This, you got to shift your whole identity in order to heal that because nothing within the confines of the medical system can help you because uh, it's not a drugs or surgery thing. This is an emotionally unresolved thing. So you got to learn how to become trigger proof for that.
okay, Brody, how do I connect with my fiance? I've been trying everything. I've been trying. Everything is completely shut down right now. Shut down, by the way, when somebody's shut down or stonewalling you, it's called dorsal vagal shutdown. I don't want you to look at that as an attack on you. I want you to look at it as a state in your nervous system because that's what's happening with your fiance. We moved in together two months ago after we found out she's pregnant and needed to get on her, her on my health insurance. Okay, so she's scared shitless. Right, oh my gosh, we're pregnant. Is this gonna work? Is this really the guy? I don't know what my feelings are. I don't know if this is safe. Number one concern for a woman, I know I have a six month old son. I've had a pregnant wife last year. I know the number one concern is safety because now she's like, shit, you know, I have all these unresolved shit. This wasn't clearly wasn't planned. Um, is this person going to be able to take care of us? Right. That's the number one concern of a woman when she goes into that space. Does she have that safety? And does she have unresolved stuff in her body? Because when you like, like traumas, as soon as you have kids, all of your shit is going to come up. By the way, good news for those of you who haven't done the work. <laughs> as soon as you have kids, that's why I teach this, because I really started this Facebook group last year when my wife was pregnant. I was like, this is dedicated to my son. All of this work it, that I do is so that he can show up in a very safe environment. And if you look at his nervous system, he is totally in a regulated space. Yeah, he's teething right now, but he is like the happiest kid I've ever seen. Like, look at the photos. He's not faking those smiles. Like literally every time I look at him, he's smiling. And I truly believe it's because myself and Diana, we created a sense of safety within my wife's nervous system, my own nervous system, our family dynamic, because everything gets downloaded to the kids. So Brody, bro, she's scared and she doesn't feel safe. After we found out she's pregnant and need to get on my health insurance, things have been really bad for five weeks. Okay understandably so. She's been living in the basement with her daughter. Ooh, ouch. Okay, so she has a kid already. All right, so now two kids, two different guys. She's got all these thoughts going on. I can totally um, resonate. Total silent treatment uh, and punishment from her because I triggered her past wounds. Okay, so what I want to tell you, Brody, is that she doesn't feel safe. Now, I'm not blaming you. Please understand I'm not blaming you. Uh, you triggered her past wounds. Of course you did. That's your job as her partner. And what, what unbeknownst to you is right now, as we speak, she's triggering your past wounds. That's right. Exactly true. Whatever she's bringing up for you, she's stonewalling, silent treatment, punishment. Look at the words you're saying. She's um, shut down, uh, punishing me. Punishing me, just like when. Sounds like my mother is punishing me by being mean, stone-faced, uh, stonewalling, okay? So her reaction to her past wounds, Brody, is now seems to be uh, triggering your past wounds. Congratulations, you now have a an unconscious relationship. That's exactly what happens in relationships. You each do that. That's your job. The problem is you haven't learned the skills in how to navigate that. Neither has she, neither did your parents, neither did her parents. That's why it's now downloading onto the children. That's why this is so important for you. What I'm saying to you right now as a future dad, I don't know if this is your first kid, second kid, first kid. I have a, I have a son. 
So your number one responsibility right now is to create a sense of safety and understanding within yourself and heal the wounds that she's bringing up in you with her silent treatment so that you can show up as a resourced version of you and then be able to create safety for her. Because yes, you have brought up her past wounds. Is she on this call? Is she in this group? Does she have any interest in resolving them? Doesn't sound like it. She just is probably in a in a space of, you know, heal in a space of shutdown because she doesn't know how to regulate her nervous system. If you go and say, go see Nima's stuff, she'll probably resist it. Go go do Nima's program. She'll probably won't want to do it because it's like weight loss. We don't want nobody wants to be told. Don't tell somebody that they need to don't tell somebody they need to listen to my videos and shit like that. Don't tell them that because that's like saying, you know, go watch this thing to lose weight. People will be like, fuck you. What are you trying to tell me? Right. This work is for people who are hungry. You know, this work is for people. This, this is what I, this is what I love to see. You, you want to know what really makes my heart sing when I get on a discovery call with someone and I say, Hey, so how did you hear about me? And she, and they say, i my best friend is doing your program and I don't recognize her after four weeks and I'm ready to do whatever she did. And I'm like, whoa, okay, boom. This is my favorite kind of person because they're like, okay, I get it. I'm signing up to get my ass kicked because I want to take responsibility. Ass kicked in a good way, in a loving way, because you can handle it. When you, when you, it, it, it's becoming trigger proof. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean trigger less. It, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I never get triggered. I get triggered every day, but how do I keep consistently showing up with an open heart, despite the fact that I'm attacked each and every fucking day? <laughs> well, I, when I play victim, I, honestly, my life is amazing. I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. If you ever hear me complain, just call me out. <laughs> I'm definitely not complaining. So, um, yes, uh, total silent treatment. So back to you, uh, uh, Brody, total silent treatment and punishment from her because I'm triggered. Okay, so you're seeing it as punishment. I invite you to look at it as she's scared. She doesn't feel safe. So she's not trying to punish you. That's your womb talking. Sounds to me like you're like 14 or 15 right now. That's the energy that's coming out from the, from the, the language there. I'm not... I'm just saying that's the the wound there. Um, I can go through. I triggered her past wounds, won't talk to me, won't even acknowledge me. Yeah, she doesn't feel safe. I can go through my mistakes. They weren't all that much. Okay, I totally get it. It's kind of like what you're saying is what did I do to deserve this? And you you really it's important to you that that we that that we know that you're not a bad person. I get it. Um, you're not, I don't think you are. I got a little wounded and needy with Drew. I missed a credit card payment that she was on with me, but paid the card off when I realized the issue. She had an ex saddle her with a bunch. Ah, okay, so she has this bad, she has this past stuff come up and you brought brought it up for her. All right, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I make good money on my own and, and own my own business. Okay, I wanna repair this and I'm working hard on improving myself. Okay, great. Already started on a medical. All right, all of this is story and letting me know that you're doing your part. You are, I get it. Please hear me now and believe me later. And I want everybody who's listening, this isn't just to, to Brody. What you're going through right now in your relationship that's challenging you has nothing to do with what's happening right now in your relationship. 
it's all their past stuff and it's all your past stuff. The problem is you can't take responsibility for their past stuff. That's their work to do. Your work is to take responsibility for what's happening inside of you, in your body that they're coming up with. Here's the magic thing that happens when you commit to this practice and learning how to do this, is that you're able to go back and realize that this is not about her and you, this is about you and mom or dad. And when you're able to resource and resonate, reconnect with those parts of you, the answer already shows up. You're able to show up authentic with an open heart. You're not showing up wounded. Your energy of resentment starts to shift. And all of a sudden, you start to feel safer. Emotional and psychological safety is super duper important. Then you learn how to communicate in ways that get them to open up and melt the ice. You can learn to do that. Only one of you needs to learn how to do the work. But the problem is you have a baby coming. If you don't make this a priority, this process can and will perpetuate that trauma cycle. What do I mean? Well, look at how your parents had relationship. What role model did you have for parenting as far as excuse me as relationships go what were the what was the quality of your relationship between your parents guess what you're now learning guess what you're unconsciously going to repeat unless you awaken and take full responsibility for your part of it brody i uh i totally appreciate you having the courage to ask this question thank you for that hopefully that was useful and i i think i remember seeing you at breathwork that's awesome. You're going to want to go all in. Breathwork once a month, we have these events. Uh, they're great. My community, we do it. I open it up to the, to the public for a very small fee. You can kind of see kind of the work that we do so that you can decide if it's for you or not. It takes practice to master this. It takes practice and time. It's kind of like yoga. When you first, they're like, wait, can I just do a session? You can do a yoga session, but you're not really learning. But to, to, to really commit to the practice of expanding your emotional flexibility is the most important skill you can learn in a time with global pandemic, in a time of uncertainty. This is your security, is learning how to create safety within your body and learning how to do relationships right. Because you didn't learn as a child. That's for sure. I didn't. Ani says, my question is anxiety in a new relationship. Dating him since Thanksgiving. He was on and off relationship for 17 years, never married, but raised her, raised his son, took on, took in her sister's son, who he's not legally adopted nor ever married, which in my eyes is an awesome man to father them. But but don't know where our relationship is at. Okay, so it's relationship anxiety. He'll talk about things he did in the past and is always saying and talking about his ex, which is what we do when we're in relationship, right? Sometimes at first I understood because I was with my ex-husband for 17 years and married for 12. I did too, the same past because that was all I knew. He at first apologized for doing it. What, you can't talk? So in other words, what you're saying there, Ani, is it's not safe to talk about my past because then you're going to make it mean something about you. What are you making him talking about his past mean about you? 
usually there's a jealousy thing going on. Usually it's like an insecurity. If I'm in a relationship with you, you talk about your past. I mean, well, I mean, you're free to talk about your, like, it's okay as a discussion, but is it like, oh, I still want to be with her or, you know, um, that, you know, to what end, right? You can, you can share, share like that. I'm not quite sure to what degree that he talks about it, but then if you have to actually get him to the place where he's apologizing, um, that clearly has triggered you, a, maybe a jealousy wound, right? Um, he at first apologized for doing it, said he was working on not bringing her up. In other words, just don't, it's not safe to talk about what I wanna talk about. Otherwise you're gonna make it mean something about you. Um, now he still does it on off and on, of course, off and on. It's sometimes, it's not off and on. It's just sometimes he'll talk about it. Sometimes he doesn't. It's not all he talks about, but if it's on his mind, he feels safe to talk about it until you have a reaction towards it. I don't want to come off jealous because I'm not. Mm. Might be a blind spot for you. Of course, you're a little bit jealous. Otherwise, you wouldn't be bringing this up. Wasn't it? There's a part of you that's jealous, and that's okay that you are. Just fucking own it. I don't want to come off as jealous because I'm not. But since I don't know where we're at, I'm struggling. So there's an insecurity there. There's This is what it is. But since I don't, uh, I'm also conflicted with him being an Aries and me a Virgo. Okay, I don't, no comment about that. I don't know why you're conflicted about that because of, okay. Sorry. Anyway, the odd thing is that his ex is the same way as me and her birthday is two days after mine. Is he with me because I compare to her? Oh my God. I can't believe. Um, is he with me? Like, and then I said, what is the outcome you're looking for? A future. That's the answer. She said, a future. Start learning how to ask better questions. Uh, a secure relationship. She wants a healthy romantic relationship. Well, Ani, you're not going to have a healthy romantic relationship with anyone unless you deal with the reason of the insecurity in the first place. Instead of talking about him and all of his stuff, wiser to look at why there's an insecurity there. And there's usually a past wound that's not healed and a childhood wound of a little girl that wasn't approved of, wasn't accepted, wasn't loved. So instead of worrying about the content of should I worry? Does he compare to? Is he with? Is he with me because I compare to her? It sounds like you have jealousy and envy. You're worried about being compared to somebody else. My suggestion is to go 100%. If you want a healthy relationship, learn how to have a healthy relationship with you. Unless you have a healthy relationship with those parts of yourself that have you feeling insecure you're not gonna have a healthy relationship. So uh, if you want a healthy romantic relationship, you gotta deal with what causes you to be so insecure in them. And we all have them. We have self-doubt, we have insecurity, we have scarcity, we have inadequacy. Those things rule, unconsciously rule our relationships. Your work is to those part of your shadows, your inner child. Your work is to dig those up and to integrate them as part of you so that you're now completely secure with yourself and you're able to just not have to worry where are we at i don't know where we're at i need you to tell me we've been dating since thanksgiving so november october november 
December, January, February, March, April. Okay, so after five months, I haven't, he hasn't given me a ring. What do I do? What do I do? Well, you got to be good with you being alone. You got to deal with, when you can deal with the insecurities that have you feeling, that you dealt with your abandonment wounds and your insecurities, you're not worried about somebody else rescuing you. You're clear on what you want. You're not, you're not just waiting to be chosen. You've actually chosen yourself. And that's when you magnetize somebody that wants, that just can't live without you because they feel so seen by you, right? So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, and the last question was, it's not really a question, AJ says, relationship as him not wanting to give me the money I lent him. That's another example of a question that's not a question. Uh, relationship as him not wanting to give me the money I lent him. I don't know what outcome you're looking for, but you lend somebody money and it's expected to it be returned and it's not, and that conflict is a deal breaker for you, then there's no real reason why to continue. So not quite sure what it is you're looking for there. So essentially, Hopefully that was useful. Let me know if any of this was useful to you. Uh, I just felt inspired to hop on and share. It's been like around a week. I start getting a little itch of wanting to contribute and ask, answer questions. The best way that I can help you in this community is teach you how to ask better questions, number one. And number two, inspire you to actually stop watching videos and podcasts and books and actually show up and do the work with us invest in yourself. So I'm going to leave a link down below to come and join us on Wednesday night uh, or Thursday in uh, Bali for our re recreating relationships workshop and the uh, breathwork and badassery that's happening on Saturday. Hopefully that was useful. See you at the next perfect time.